Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Means that the number one pick in the 2021 NBA draft goes to the Detroit Pistons. Who's got the number one pick in this year's Detroit. draft? Who's got the number one pick in this year's draft? Basketball! Select Isaiah Stewart. The Detroit Pistons select Killian Hayes. Sadiq, that was absolutely sensational. I don't know what went into that process. I met the criteria to be selected, but I wasn't. From long range. Oh! Yes! Yes! Detroit Basketball! Pistons fans, welcome back to another edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast, part of the Believe Network. I'm your host. Mike Angolano and joining me is Aaron Johnson. Aaron, how are you doing, buddy? Fresh off watching some really weird midday basketball. Yeah, we we, we kind of had it with uh, Martin Luther King Day on Monday and then today uh, with the Pistons playing uh, in Paris. So had a couple days where I had the opportunity while I was home just to, to watch some NBA basketball. Definitely not going to complain about that, but it was a really rough performance for the Pistons overall. A few bright spots, not too many, though, for what uh, should have been, you know, a, a fun trip. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's a business trip at the end of the day. Didn't go well for the Pistons. I know we'll talk about that. But I'm doing good, and I'm uh, excited to be here. Missing Jasper this week. Hopefully, we'll get him back next week. Yeah, we haven't been able to get the three of us together to do a podcast in quite a few weeks. So, hopefully, Jasper will be able to catch us on the next one. And, yes, the Pistons did play in Paris. We will cover that as well as stock report and uh, some trade deadline speculation as the deadline continues to hurtle at us. It's already the 19th of January. This is pretty, pretty crazy to be quite honest. Um, and the trade chatter is only going to get louder and louder, but before we go ahead and cover all of that, I want to thank our sponsor uh, once again this week, and that is bet online and bet online remains your number one source for all your sports betting this season, everything from NFL playoffs to pro and college basketball, UFC, MMA, and more you'll always find the latest odds team matchup info player news and game trends at bet online and with live betting options free contests and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable bet online is always the tr- is truly the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite leagues and events head on over to the website today or use your mobile device to join and receive a 50 percent welcome bonus with your first deposit use that promo code believe that's bl EAV to receive your rewards. Again, a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit at Bet Online using the promo code Believe, B L E A V. Bet Online, where the game starts. And where the game starts for the NBA today was in Paris. The Bulls and the Pistons played some connections there to France, of course, with Killian Hayes. Uh, but unfortunately, the Pistons did lose. That game just wrapped up about, I don't know, a half an hour ago. They lost 126 to 108. Jalen Duran came off the bench. He returned from an injury and some passport issues to score 11 points. He brought down 12 boards and had two blocks in just 18 minutes. Killian Hayes has continued to struggle. Um, in his return to France, he had only had four points on two of 13 shooting. He did have eight assists, and the Pistons now sit at 12 and 36. So kind of a tough one to watch. Um, I was saying before the podcast started, I didn't get a chance to watch too much of it. 
due to the three o'clock start time in my nine to five job. Uh, but you did. Um, what are your initial thoughts coming off of that that game? Uh, you know, I, I think there was a little bit more hope that Killing Hayes would start to turn things around, come back to France, could be a little bit of a, you know, a little boost mentally, um, but it did not quite materialize. Yeah, it, it was really no different. Uh, you know, going to a different country didn't change anything for the Pistons. Uh, it's a lot of the same problems that have plagued this team all year. And for them, it starts on the defensive end. I mean, you know, they gave up 30 points in, in every quarter but the third. And in the third quarter, they gave up 28 points. So, you know, they were right on the margin there. Uh, a team that, you know, Chicago did not shoot the ball well from beyond the arc today. I mean, the Pistons struggled from the three-point line, but so did the Bulls shooting just 30%. It came off of a lot of points in the paint. The Pistons gave up 60 points in the paint. They gave up second chance points. Um, it's just a team that is not committed on the defensive end. It's it's not something that's, you know, different from what we've seen all year uh, for them in that regard. And it, it just kind of was what it was. And offensively, the Pistons, they're the Pistons. I mean, again, shot the ball poorly from beyond the arc, 23.5%, 8 of 34. And that included a couple, you know, they hit two three-pointers with under a minute left. Uh, in garbage time from uh, Boyan Bogdanovich and Jaden Ivey. Um, that's really the cusp of it. They just don't play good basketball. It's been that way all year, and, and, and today was more of the same. It's just frustrating when you see them go out and, and play like this. And makes a Chicago team, who has been very, very underwhelming this year, look way better than they, they have played this season. Uh, Chicago just, just took it to Detroit. Uh, from the get-go, you know, all, all three of their quote-unquote big three guys got theirs uh, when they wanted it, whether it was Zach Levine, who had 30, DeMar DeRozan, or, or Nikola Vucevic. Um, you know, Patrick Patrick Williams had a, a solid game. Alex Caruso ate up Detroit defensively. So it was a rough performance all around, and you had some disappointing performances. Uh, you know, Killian Hayes, two of 13 from the field, four points. Uh, four turnovers, eight assists, you know, didn't hit a single three-point attempt. Uh, some of the other guys, Isaiah Stewart, really looked undersized and overmatched today against Vucevic with Thurn coming off the bench and, and Stewart starting at the five slot. So it was an ugly game for Detroit. But to be honest, you know, it's it's kind of what we we we, we see every game. There will be a couple guys who who have that, that average to above average game, but there's too many guys that – don't play well and, and the defense is just never never there for this group so we talked to, on past podcasts about some sort of identity and the Pistons cultivating an identity and I think that does start with uh Dwayne Casey and we've talked about a lack of identity right now the identity of this team is you know they're young but they're bad uh we need to try to change that moving forward. I think having a defensive mindset is good for any young team. I revert back to the Cavaliers a lot because that's the team that I can primarily see all the time. The Cavs were a very good defensive team last year. They were very young and they ate that up with a new head coach. Um, they relished the opportunity to play defense after being one of the league's worst defenses for several years. They relished the opportunity to be a good defensive team not saying the Pistons are going to be that or are capable of being that, but cultivating an identity would go a long way. Uh, Cause you're right. And, you know, in looking at the box score, 
you know, these were pretty, for the most part, aside from the shooting splits, I mean, the Pistons weren't out-rebounded. They were not out-assisted. They won the turnover battle by a few, I think maybe two or three. They just were outplayed defensively, and they were out shot on offense. They gave up 54% shooting from the floor to a Chicago team that has not had DeMar DeRozan for a little while, has had up and down games from Zach Levine. He is starting to come around a little bit more. I mean, they've they've dealt with the injuries. They've dealt with ineffectiveness, but they found a way to win. Um, it would have been nice to see the Pistons squeak one out um, in Paris, but, you know, you, you're right. It's It's more of the same. The offense didn't really show up. The defense doesn't really exist or you know there's no there's there's no identity on either side of the ball and uh yeah it's you know it's it's what we're gonna have to deal with for the rest of the season unfortunately because the pistons were you know also also healthy you know they got back Jalen duran they've had isaiah livers back for a few games now they you know they obviously won't get kate cunningham back but you know there were limited excuses they just it was just a very flat looking game from, from what I saw. It was it, again, it's just, it's, it's no different. You know, it's a team that again, for a team that also is so bad offensively and they don't really have an identity on the offensive end, you know, they're not a team that shoots the ball very well. They don't, you know, penetrate at some high level. They don't get a lot of paint points. They don't have some big down low that's cascading their offense. You know, they don't have any identity offensively. That tells you you need to try to find an identity identity somewhere else, aka the defensive side of the floor. And they don't have any identity uh, on the defensive side. They they just they get blown by. They allow a ton of penetration from the guards. And when you get beat on the glass, it, this is what's going to happen on a nightly basis. So you know it's not something again that's been different at any other point this year. It's more the same, but it's still frustrating nonetheless. So looking at the box score. Killian Hayes and Isaiah Stewart combined to shoot three for 23. 0 for 10 from deep. We have waxed nostalgia about Killian Hayes's uh, solid stretch of play, but the shooting has plateaued sharply. And, you know, we've talked about Isaiah Stewart too, as a tweener at the four and the five, he started at center uh, today in place of Duran and working his way back. We've talked about Stewart trying to cultivate. I've said cultivate like four or five times on the podcast. <laughs> it's going to be my word of the podcast is cultivate. Try to carve out, there we go, carve out some sort of role, whether he plays the four or the five. And, you know, the three of us, we've talked about him developing some sort of three-point shot or some off-the-dribble stuff where he doesn't get smoked or, or have his pocket picked. What was the, I mean, looking at these guys and Jay Ivey was seven for 14 with 16 points. I think he's, he's been fine too in a, in an interesting role, not playing next to Kate Cunningham, you know, and Sadiq Bay shot six of 17. Tim Forkin in our group chat said that he goes from having the worst three minutes of basketball to the best. And he, there, there's, there's just no in between with uh, Sadiq Bay, not to highlight or, you know, down downplay their struggles, but, you know, those are three guys that we've talked about prior to this season 
as ones you have to make a decision on. And the play lately has been nothing short of erratic for all three of them. Yeah, this is, I mean, they're the three first round picks from the 20, the 2020 draft class, Troy Weaver's first draft, his first, you know, few months with the organization. That was his initial imprint on this franchise. That was part of uh, how he decided to, to retool and rebuild this team by tearing it down and acquiring three draft picks and, uh, you know, well, acquiring two uh, draft picks to start to lay the foundation for this group. And now here we are in year three for these players in year three for Troy Weaver and all three of those guys, I, I who gets a second contract on this team out of those three guys, Jalen Durrance you, you usurped Isaiah Stewart as the big of the future for this team, the starting five of the future, whether you believed or didn't believe Stewart was going to be that, uh, moving forward. He is usurped him as the starting five of the now. That as well. It hasn't happened yet, but it should, it, it should be the case where Duran, you know, I know he came off the bench today. Maybe that was just a minutes restriction thing. I guess that's what I'll hope. Um, but Duran is, is the guy now. Sadiq Bay, again, he, you just don't know what you're going to get on a nightly basis. He's been a little bit better as of late, uh, but still the efficiency isn't anything where you're, you know, all excited about this. You know, he might be getting 15, 16, 17 points, but the efficiency is so sporadic on a nightly basis. And then Killian Hayes, who did look like it was all coming together for him, has had, you know, for as many good performances that he's had this month, he's had equally as many performances where he's been non-existent. I mean, this isn't the first first game uh, of the month where he's two of double digits from the field. You know, he was three of twelve against the Warriors, two of eleven uh, in the in the second game against the Sixers, and two of thirteen tonight. And he was four of fourteen against the Knicks. Knicks. So he's just not, yeah, you know, he's not consistent enough. So you look at all these guys, and these guys said again, decisions have to be made. And I don't think there's any clarity on. I know this is a guy that I want to have on this group moving forward. I know that one of these three first round picks is going to be one of my starters. Moving forward, I don't think you can say that confidently, but any of those players, and that's disappointing. Uh, you, yeah, I mean, we talked about the beginning of the season again. You know, these these are the guys that need to be evaluated, and even if, you know, even if Kate Cunningham's out, which we talked a little bit after he was out about, you know, what can we possibly look for for the rest of a glim. Slim, slim, clum. I think I mixed up those two words. That's all right. A pretty, a, a pretty poor season overall. The thing that we told everybody to watch for was those three players, because it's a critical time, and to not see one of them really jump out is pretty disappointing. You know, if if you had to give a contract to one of those three guys, which one are you going to give it to? Oh gosh. That's tough. I, I think I think it would be Isaiah Stewart. I, I think he's a fine backup big. You know, a guy where uh, if you needed to start him at the five, you know, if Durant's missing a game or two, hopefully it's in matchups where it's not against someone like that can punish him down low, like a Vucevic, uh, like a Joel Embiid. But again, that's going to be the case sometimes. But as a backup big, as a guy that can play the as, is trying to play the full, full four, is like trying to expand his game, I, I the defensive. Uh, prowess that he he can he can play with I think he's the guy that I would trust the most as being some sort of contributor uh moving forward 
Not that Hayes can't be that. Not that Sadiq Bey can't be a solid piece off the bench just in terms of being a guy that that can be a scoring threat. Uh, but the inconsistency from both those players is most concerning, especially when you talk about these contract extensions where I'm sure Sadiq Bey, Killian Hayes, and Isaiah Stewart all alike are going to want to be making double-digit uh, million dollars uh, on, on average each season. So for me, I think Stewart's a guy that, in terms of what he brings on a nightly basis. Uh, he's a good rebounder, even for being a bit undersized and, and being a backup big, you know, he'll, it'll be easier for him to play against second unit bigs, second unit fours. Uh, that's the guy that I'd probably feel most comfortable, but even so, I mean, it's still not a decision where I'm like super excited about the thoughts of Isaiah Stewart getting 10, $12 million annually. But at the same time, this is the same front office that they gave Marvin Bagley uh, $12 million a year. So who knows? It's going to be very interesting to see how this plays out between those guys, because you're going to have a lot of cap space. You're going to have some decisions to make. You're probably going to get some interest at the deadline. We've already seen some stories of Sadiq Bey being linked to trade rumors and teams being interested in him. So it'll, it'll be very interesting. Uh, I think it'd be maybe a good question to ask all of our, all of our listeners of like, this is, I mean, this is a a pivotal point for the Pistons moving forward. This is where decisions have to be made. The last couple of years have been like, yeah, well, you know, we'll just grab players that we think fit or best player available. And we'll just go from there. We'll see what sticks. It's now it's, I mean, it's now decision-making time. So, you know, for all of our listeners, who would you give another contract to between Sadiq Bay? Isaiah Stewart and Killian Hayes. I think it's an interesting question. Yeah, I'd definitely be interested to hear what the listeners have to say. I'm sure there's going to be. I was pretty surprised with you saying Stewart. I thought you would have said Sadiq Bay, honestly. I, I think there's cases, again, I think there's cases for each player individually. But you, you, if you assign all three, you're probably looking at around $30 million annually. And do you want to commit that? Do you want to commit more than that with the cap going up? But knowing that you're drafting another top five pick this year, uh, you have Kate Cunningham, you have Jaden Ivey, you have Jalen Duran, you have Bogdanovich on extension, and you want to be players in the market, whether that's in the trade market this offseason or in the free agency market, to go out and get a guy that you feel is going to help you take that next step. Do you want to then go and commit that money to all three of these guys who, to be fair, to be honest, have underwhelmed all on an individual level? Uh, in their career so far. But I think it's an interesting question, and I know we will get answers for each of these players. Yes, yes, we definitely will. And we've talked a lot about Gillian Hayes over the last several months, um, but I think all this talk about Sadiq Bey and all this talk about Gillian Hayes is a good segue into our stock report for the week. So, Aaron, give us your stock up guy. So I am going to go with Sadiq Bay. There's not a whole lot of players that that you can go with. I, I would use I would use Jalen Dern again. Sorry, uh, I don't know why my computer decides to play music when I go on ESPN.com. <laughs> but I was trying to look at Sadiq Bay's game log. Uh, but in short, I guess since I can't look at all his stats, uh, he's been better over the last you know five games now. Uh, he was off to a little bit uh, of a rough patch, but again, he's been better. The efficiency still isn't there. You know, he's still hovering around, you know, 42% from the floor, 
35% from the three-point line. That's not great, but I feel like he is taking better shots. I feel like with Sadiq Bey, he sometimes just gets in that mode where like, okay, I'm going up with this one, and it's not always a great look, whether it's, you know, he steps into a contested mid-range jumper, he get, barrels into a defender trying to drive to the lane. The shot process is better for him. Uh, he's rebounding a little bit more. I feel like he's getting involved more uh, in that area of the game. And, you know, he's gotten 15, 16, 17 points uh, a game over these last five, having to play a little bit of a bigger role with some different guys out, playing in the starting lineup again. I feel like it's been better. It's certainly not been great by any stretch of the imagination, but like these are the games, these are the minutes where it's like, okay, I can envision him if he can put more stuff together coming off the bench and playing this similar type of role. Uh, the efficiency, again, has to get better, but I feel like Bay is trending in the right direction. Uh, again, not perfect, but it's getting there for him. Whereas, you know, a couple of weeks ago, it was just like, oh man, I, I mean, really this whole season, it, it's been, you know, I, I don't know what the future looks like for him. This this looks really rough. And obviously that's been felt by the organization a little bit with him popping up uh, in trade rumors, you know, about a month or so ago. And Teams checking in on his availability now that Detroit might be soft softening on how much he might be worth to them long term. Yeah. So his last 10 games, he's shooting 39% from the floor, 36% from deep. Still an excellent free throw shooter. Uh and averaging 15 points per game. Uh I mean, it's hovering right around where he has been. He he did have a nice stretch from the Minnesota game uh, to the next game where he had 20 points or more in three straight. So, yeah, you know, the vision is still still there. Like when you when you see him play well, you think, oh, that's that, you know, that's the mold of the player that almost every team in the NBA needs is uh, a wing that's capable of knocking down shots and can use their body to defend. I agree he is playing better, um, but I'm going to go with a different wing for my stock up, and that's Hamadou Diallo, who has been playing exceptionally well of late. I think there was a snafu with the scoreboard, or at least the stats, like like you said, but you know, he finished the Paris game shooting 7 of 8 from deep. He had 17 points. He's sort of had to pick up minutes and time you know, as, as guys have been injured, but he did have... 19 points against the New Orleans Pelicans uh, shot very well in that game. He shot exceptionally well again against the wolves with 18 more points. Um, so I, you know, he, he's a, he's a microwave kind of guy where he's hot or he's cold or he's completely invisible or, um, or what, but he's been playing a little bit better of late. Um, this is the kind of action that we were hoping for when the Pistons resigned him or at least kept him on the roster. So Hamadou Diallo is my stock up. I wish we didn't have to play him as much. I wish he would be able to uh, have a healthy squad, but he has come in and he's shot the ball well, and he hasn't hasn't killed hasn't killed the offense like a player like him is normally capable of. A guy who can't really shoot that has to has to use physical strength and athleticism uh, to make an impact. He's he's been playing well uh, as of as of late. So. Uh, Hamadou Diallo is my stock up. Now, what about your stock down? I like your stock up, by the way. I think Diallo has been pretty effective for Detroit. You know, he can have these stretches where he's getting to the rim. He brings that energy that 
not everyone else on the team plays with. And that allows him to make an impact. And I think also when the Pistons use him as, you know, a four and even a little bit as a, of a a five, like they did in the Minnesota game, he's just allowed to be a little bit more effective uh, because he's playing in different areas on the court. So I like that, that stock up pick for you, my stock down, here come the tomatoes. Here come the, you know, everyone crying, getting mad, but it's Killian Hayes. We just kind of talked about it, uh, it, it in the last segment, but two of 13 today, four of 14 against the Knicks. The inconsistency is just, it, it, it's baffling because you want to believe he's putting it together. Things are trending in the right direction, but then he has these performances where it's just like, I, I, you don't, you don't know if it's ever really going to get there. And people say, oh, well, he had eight assists. He had nine assists. And it's like, yeah, that's good. But like Jasper said on last week's podcast, like if Killian does, you know, get to this point where he's averaging 17 points, six, seven assists a game, like what does that make him in the league? Does that make him a, a top 15 point guard? I don't think so. Does that make him a top 20 point guard? I don't think so. There's a lot of good guards in this league. And for a guy that was the seventh overall pick, uh, in a draft, like you had very high expectations for him, as I did. So the consistent consistency uh, is a concern. His percentages, his averages on the month, still trending in the right direction. But the Pistons haven't played a lot of games lately. Uh, you know, today today was their first game since Sunday. So looking at it since last week's podcast, he's been you know he's been disappointing. I I, I think it's fair to say that. Yes, it's definitely fair to say, and you probably will get uh, some hate based on what the Palace of Pistons Twitter account's been been spitting, um, you know, for those who are uh, aware of that little, it's been very funny. The reaction to some of the tweets on the Palace of Pistons account have been definitely flying over people's heads, but that's that's for... Uh, you know, maybe Palace Pistons after dark can get into that more. Um, I think somebody in the group chat asked for a emergency pod after after some of the responses and the people who got involved with that. But that that's for a different discussion uh, with our good buddy Tim Forkin. I had Killing Hayes my stock down as well. Um, the consistency is definitely not there. Yes, the assists are great. That sort of play has a, has a place in the NBA. I don't think that we should be settling for that as the new baseline for Killian Hayes of having a good game is having a lot of assists. We we can and should expect more out of the seventh overall pick. Yes, it's great. He had eight dimes, he had two steals. Wonderful. Um, he shot two for 13 and was 0 for 6 from deep. He's been disappointing lately. He's been erratic, uh, to say the least. So he was also my stock down, and you know, I'm sure. It would not surprise me anyway if in four weeks he's he's in our stock up category again because he goes on another hot shooting streak or or something along those lines. Same thing with Sadiq Bay. I mean, he could very well be in your stock down within a week and a half because he's not shooting the ball well anymore, and that kind of makes him – if he's not doing that, then he's pretty one-dimensional. Um, so we're both on the same page with Killian Hayes. And speaking of Sadiq Bay and some of those trade rumors that we've talked about, we're going to get into our second topic for today. It's, our, it's also our last topic, but it's the trade deadline speculation, which I think is going to be a standing order um, for the rest of the podcasts until we get past the trade deadline. 
Um, lots of guys have been in talks uh, across the league now. And once again, we get another story about Boyan Bogdanovich. Uh, the Pistons are, are looking for an unprotected first-round pick. There have been several teams interested in him. We've talked about a couple of them over the last couple of months. Um, Pistons aren't opposed to moving him, according to James Edwards of The Athletic, but it certainly looks like um, – it's gonna it's it's gonna take quite the asset for Detroit to move Boyan Bogdanovich. Um, do you want me to just run through all these and then we'll talk about them sort of as a conglomerate, or do you want me to go through each of these players on their own? I feel and we'll like, just, and we'll just talk about them individually. Well, I feel like we should talk about Bogdanovich um, individually, just because it seems like things are starting to fl- flip in a different direction after the Pistons acquired him. After the Pistons extended him, it sounded like, you know, Bogdanovich is here to stay. They they acquired him for a reason. They want to be in a position to compete for a playoff position next year. He's not getting dealt unless the team severely overpays to get him. And now here we are. Time's gone on. We're, you know, less than a month away from the trade deadline. And it sounds like the position from Detroit's point of view is softening. Now, instead of it's going to take multiple first-round picks or it's going to take a first-round pick and young assets, young players to acquire them, now it's the Pistons are looking at the very least, which means at you know what they're going to end up getting for an unprotected first-round pick. So it feels like what Detroit's looking for, the Pistons were playing hard to get in the market. Teams were not, are not budging on that. And now it feels like the stance is starting to soften from Troy Weaver's office. And to me, that signals it's gonna it's getting more and more likely that Bogdanovich is gonna be moved. Again, I'm in the camp of unless a team is willing to overpay and you're getting multiple firsts for them, fine. You can if you really believe those picks are gonna move the needle for you, you can make that deal. But I'm of the camp you should not be trading Bogdanovich if you want to be competing next year, which the organization should and needs to be doing next season. This is disappointing to me in that sense, but that's what the how I'm reading the tea leaves right now. It, it sounds like a Bogdanovich deal is becoming more likely uh, than it was maybe three weeks ago. So Shams Shrani of The Athletic reported, I think this was a couple days ago, maybe a day ago, that once again, the Cavs and Mavericks are among the teams interested the Raptors, the Lakers, the Pelicans, and the Milwaukee Bucks were also listed amongst the teams interested in Bogdanovich. I can tell you, unprotected first-round pick, you can knock the Cavs right out of that conversation. They're they're not going to be playing in the Bogdanovich um, playing field. It's it's going to be one of those other teams. I think the Pelicans are pretty interesting. You know, they have not had Brandon Ingram for quite a while, and they're still playing well. They've missed Zion, and yet. They're still playing well. The Bucs would be really interesting. They already have Joe Ingles. Um, Joe Ingles and Boyan Bogdanovich, I feel like, are very similar players in that uh, NBA Twitter loves them because they are not big, high-flying names, but they lead to winning. So I think having both of them, if, if this was like 2016, I think NBA Twitter would have exploded if the Bucs somehow had both Ingles and Bogdanovich. But those, those are the teams right now interested. I mean, really, everybody should be interested in a wing who can 
knock down threes at a pretty good clip. Um, out of out of those teams, you know who who makes who makes sense from making a deal sort of scenario because the Raptors are a weird they're a really weird team. They have so many wings, and they are just inconsistent. They're kind of middling. I mean, they come out and they smoke, you know, the Knicks or whatever. Well, the Cavs. They beat the Cavs twice. Uh, and then they go out and lay an egg and they lose to Orlando. So I, I don't I mean the Raptors just seem like a super weird team. We don't know what the Lakers are going to do. Jeannie Buss is reportedly super not willing to move future first round picks. The Bucks, I don't even know if they need Bogdanovich. They don't have a healthy Chris Milton and they're still plowing through people. Um, and, and the Mavs are super, super interesting. They just had a, a report from ESPN that said Luka Doncic is ready to have some heads roll if, if the team doesn't improve. I don't know if giving up an unprotected first for Bogdanovich is going to do enough. I think Luka needs a true sidekick. But, you know, which of these teams tickles your fancy, I guess, in terms of being able to make a trade? Yeah, I think Dallas is the team that most desperately needs him. Because Luca desperately needs help, uh, and Bogdanovich would certainly be, you know, the best offensive piece alongside uh, Luca on that team outside of Christian Wood. You know, they just don't have a consistent group of wings that are Who's now hurt by good the way. Minutes. Wood is hurt. I didn't even know that. Christian Wood, I believe. What, I know he missed a, like a game or two. I didn't know it was going to be a, a longer term okay. absence, but obviously that's not good, and that puts even more pressure on Luca and more pressure on the Mavs to make a move happen. I don't think Dallas really has the assets to make this move. Um, so I don't know how that works. I don't know if it, they would need to get a third team involved in a tr- in this type of trade. I look at a team like Toronto, and I don't really view them as buyers. I'd view them, you know, if they do make decisions, I think it would kind of have to be to sort of start selling off some of those guys whether it's Fred Van Fleet, Gary Trent, if they do end up moving OG Ananobi. I know they've been linked to, to Yaka Pertle, but again, I just don't – they've won a few games here, and, and maybe that's what they needed to kind of say, all right, let's go in now. Let's well, – we're figuring it out. Let's go get a center because that's what we really desperately need. But with all the wings they have, I don't think a guy like Bogdanovich really makes sense there. Uh, Milwaukee, I think, would love Bogdanovich, but I don't think they have the assets – to really acquire him or the cap space. And then the Lakers are the team that is attached to Bogdanovich in every single report. But I just don't know what they have, especially if they're willing to give up those first round picks that gets this deal through because there's no world where guys like Kendrick Nunn uh, are viewed as positive young assets that are worth moving on from, you know, a 20 point per game score that Bogdanovich is. So I don't know. I don't have the best idea where Bogdanovich lands. I think New Orleans could be an interesting spot. But again, I just don't know if they really need him. Uh, If guys like Ingram and Zion are healthy, that's the 3-4. Najee Marshall's been really good for them. Trey Murphy's been really good for them. So they have the depth. They just need their top-end guys to be healthy. So I don't know who the right spot is for Boyan. But it does feel like with seemingly, you know, I think the report was, you know, double digit teams or uh, over a dozen teams are interested in Bogdanovich. If the price is only a first, it feels like that's going to come from somewhere. Yeah. And to follow up on the Christian Wood 
situation that the Mavs announced today. He does have a fractured thumb and he'll be evaluated in one week. So he is hurt, um, but that was a pretty recent uh, development. So that's one less one less quality player for Luka Doncic. And yeah, the Mavs are definitely the most desperate team. And, and I've said this on the podcast before, this Dallas Mavericks team feels very much like 2007, 2008 Cavaliers where it was LeBron and Eric Snow and, you know, Sasha Pavlovich. Hey. <laughs> Guys that uh, independently are not very good players, but because LeBron was on the team, they were... They were like like stars. I, mean, I think Mo Williams might be the only only player on that team that was able to hold his own in any instance. But this feels very much like first run LeBron on the Cavs, where it's Nerlens Noel and just or I'm sorry, Nerlens Noel, where it's Luka Doncic, <laughs> and uh, I was reading Nerlens on the as our next player, and it just totally messed me up. Where it's Luka Doncic and just stuff. And you just hope that stuff plays well enough to squeak out enough wins to make like a Western Conference Finals. But Bogdanovich starting to have the trade market soften a bit. We'll have to keep tabs on that. But I'm in the same boat as you. I really don't want them to trade him unless they get a nice package back for him. They did just pay him. Um, he's a very quality player for the most, probably the most needed position in all of basketball. Um, let's go ahead and move on. Alec Burks has been named as a possible trade target as well. I think that was sort of thought thought of as soon as the Pistons acquired him uh, as as a guy who would be traded at some point just because he's a vet who could shoot. Once again, James Edwards of the Athletics says that uh, teams have shown very, or I'm sorry, the Pistons have shown very little interest in trading Alec Burks. He is a quality bench piece on a young team. I think you need guys like that. Um, and James Edwards adds that he senses a team would have to really overpay to try to pry away Alec Burks from the Pistons. Any any thoughts on Alec Burks's trade market and or you know the propensity that the Pistons just really don't want to trade him? It's another guy that I don't think the Detroit should actively really be looking to move on a fine contract. You have him next season. If a team wants to give up a first, you know, then it becomes a discussion. I doubted teams willing to give up a first. You know, Alec Burks isn't a starting guard in, in the league. He's a backup. He's a veteran, uh, and he, he's really just a scorer. You know, it's not like he's some incredible defender or, or secondary ball handler or secondary sh- distributor. Excuse me. So, you know, he is good for Detroit because of what he brings to the table. It's something that Detroit needs. Um, and I know other teams are certainly interested in him, but I don't think a team's going to look at the, their situation and say, Alec Burks is going to to make or break our season to a point where I need to move a first-round pick for him. Yeah, there's no way that that is going to happen. I don't I don't think. I mean, unless it's super heavily protected. And I'm in the same boat. I, I don't think that they should really be trying to move him. Again, you need guys to score the basketball and on an injury ravaged team that's super young. It's not the worst thing in the world to have a vet on the bench to soak up some minutes and score some points. So I don't, I don't agree with trading Burks either, unless of course you're absolutely blown away by some sort of offer that is stupid to turn down. Uh, we've talked about Sadiq Bay several times. The Pistons are looking for a first round pick in return James Edwards of The Athletic gets the impression that Detroit's not willing to move on from him 
just yet, but he will be a restricted free agent, not this upcoming summer, but the following summer. But of course, he will be extension eligible. So if you get a first round pick, like let's say that you get a first round pick that's in the 17 to 25 range. Let's just say it's 20 to 25 range. Is is that enough to move the needle to trade Sadiq Bey? I don't know. I mean, I don't know enough about this draft class to really make that kind of decision. Uh, you know, not not that deep into the draft class, at least. You'd like to believe Sadiq Bey is worth more than that. I mean, you gave up assets to to pick him at what nineteen. So it's 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 tough. But then you also have to weigh the fact that you know that's one of those three guys that we already talked about that you're going to have to make a, a decision on whether or not you want to pay him uh, in the upcoming offseason. So it's a it's a tough decision for Detroit. I think if you get a first and, and you, Sadiq Bey is one of those guys that maybe you don't feel is is really necessary to keep, maybe you feel like, you know, especially if you do keep Bogdanovich and you have Isaiah Livers and you're going to keep Alec Burks, you know, maybe you feel like another first round pick, you sign another backup wing in the offseason and you'll be fine there I, I i don't know that's kind of how i would think detroit would kind of play it out uh, if they want to keep him you know, i don't think the first round pick is going to really move the needle for them if it's the 25th pick in the draft you know if they view him uh to a point where they want to extend him they want to give him a three four year deal i i doubt that a pick 25 is going to be the what they'd be willing to not extend him for so there is another option and that's just they don't sign him to an extension and they don't trade him you know we've seen teams do this we saw the Suns and DeAndre Ayton you know just quote-unquote not come to an agreement on a deal we saw the Cavs and Colin Sexton just not come to terms on a deal and they ended up getting getting traded um, or in the case of DeAndre Ayton they were signed um, they they don't have to do either of those things. They don't have to trade him. They don't have to sign him this offseason. He is a restricted free agent next offseason. So that's when things get a little bit more interesting. And, you know, we've talked about it. He's been very inconsistent. Maybe there's a situation where, you know, the Pistons want to see that growth next year when you're going to have a, a top five pick. You're going to have, you know, potentially one, two, three new uh, new free agency signings on the roster, and you're going to have some heightened expectations. You might even have a different coach. We haven't even talked about that as possibly next year, but it's possible. Um, and that's the situation where you can assess Sadiq Bay uh, one more time. You know, this is a this is an assessment season for him and for Isaiah Stewart and for Killing Hayes, but they don't have to if they're really on the fence. I don't want to accept like two seconds in a player for Sadiq Bay necessarily. I mean, unless he just hits rock bottom between now and February and there's really nothing more that you could do, but they don't have to move on from him and they don't have to sign him. I mean, there, there is another situation where he plays out next season through contract talks, quote unquote. And, you know, they see what it looks like next year too. That's true. They, and that that's, they can do that. It's just that risk of he might punt his value or he might significantly raise his value. And I guess if that's the case, if he raises his value, it's a lot easier to then say, all right, well, we believed in you. And you know, we were now we're going to extend you because you're a restricted free agent and we want you to be a part of this. But there's also that chance of 
things continue to trend in, in a negative direction. And that that value that he has, whereas maybe he is right now worth a, a first round pick, that could go away. And then you're out of player and you're out a, a potential asset in return. Yeah, it's a time, it's a tight, tight rope to walk. Um, but the trade talk will continue to heat up, especially as we get closer and closer to the deadline. Last part on the list is Nerland's Noel. Uh, the Pistons and Noel have agreed to look for a trade. If it doesn't happen, uh, Detroit's not going to pick up his team option. Probably helped to facilitate a trade. He's a vet. He's been in the league for a while. Teams do this. You know, it creates goodwill with agents as well. You know, agents might be more willing to send their client to a team or help facilitate a move to a team in the offseason to a team that, you know, cares about its players. And if they help Noel facilitate a trade or buy him out or do something like that, I think that does create some goodwill um, for an agent. I think that they can probably get something for him, though. The Heat, the Nuggets, and the Mavericks have reportedly shown interest in acquiring Nerland's Noel. We've talked about him several times. He's a backup big. He There was just a recent story about him where he stepped into the role of the starting center or taking up some significant minutes in the wake of Jalen Duran's injury. He didn't blink. He just went to work. I think that has a lot of value. Um, Nerland's Noel is a guy, again, we thought it, around the time when he was required that we didn't really think he'd be on the roster past the trading deadline, but, and I still don't really think that that's going to happen, but um, any additional thoughts on Nerland's Noel? Yeah. I mean, it feels like he's going to get moved. Um, he wants to get moved. The Pistons agreed to look to move him. There's some teams interested. You know, I don't, I don't see a point in Detroit keeping him. They haven't really played him outside of a handful of games. Uh, from you know last week, but other than that, even you know the last few games that they didn't have during, he didn't get in. So they don't really seem to really care about playing him, which is fine, especially if they are trying to move him. And maybe if they don't move him, they find him a few minutes here and there, especially if a guy like Stewart or or Durant has to miss a game here or there. Um, but it just feels like it makes sense to move him. Both sides have agreed looking for a trade is the right idea. It just comes to the point of what is Detroit getting back? Are they clearing out salary? Are they getting any sort of asset back from? Does the team believe that, you know, he's worth giving up a second round pick for or whatever? Um, and, and that's really it. It's not, there's not really much going on in that situation that matters. No deal is going to make or break uh, anything for this franchise uh, currently. Yeah. And he was a, a DNP coach's decision against the Bulls today. Did not play against the Knicks. He did play four straight games uh, with Jalen Duren's injury. But prior to that, he had six minutes in four games combined, dating back to the, um, the 31st of December. So he's not a guy that's going to move the needle in any trade. But like I said earlier, with, you know, helping to facilitate a trade for a vet, I think agents look at that as a positive for a team, a team that's willing to do that. I think gets in the good graces of the agents that are helping to move players around the league. So maybe you get a second round pick, maybe you get a player in a second round pick or you take on some bad money in return. Um, I, I probably think, not probably think, I think he's going to be off the roster come the deadline. If he's not, I think they will look to try to try to secure a buyout in some way, just to do, just to do some good by him. And that's it for our trade deadline speculation. This is once again, I think it's going to be a standing uh, item for all of these podcasts podcast for the next like month um but it's going to continue to heat up uh, 
little off off the wall question before we end this podcast. Who's going to be the biggest name traded at the deadline? Good question. You know, I think this is this is really something that's been charged by the play-in tournament is more and more teams feel that they they have enough or a piece away from being a playoff team. So not as many teams are willing to sell off their players. I think anyone on Toronto, if Toronto does decide to move uh, move on from some guys, whether that's Fred Van Fleet, whether that's OG Ananobi, heck, even if it's Pascal Siakam, even though I doubt they would trade him. Uh, I think, oh, oh, wow. Well, I think it'd be any of those guys. If, if, if Toronto opened up uh, the roster, if Toronto opened up for business, I think those are would be the three biggest names uh, on the market. I think Bogdanovich is, is a rather significant name. Other than that, we haven't heard a ton on on guys being available. When who's the last superstar that's been brought up in trade discussions? Nothing out around Damian Lillard. Nothing around Bradley Beal. Um, so there's nothing really going on right now. No team feels like they're in a deep enough hole right now where they have to start moving on and starting a rebuild unless Toronto is that group that makes that decision. That's the team that I think holds all the cards uh, for the upcoming trade deadline. And on the flip side for them, with so many teams feeling that they're uh, maybe a piece away from being a, a playoff team, a piece away from, from being a contender. You know, if you're a team like Los, the Los Angeles Lakers, you're a team like the Los Angeles Clippers, like, oh my goodness, you would give up whatever was necessary in terms of young players or assets, uh, draft picks, to get a guy like Fred Van Fleet. So they hold a lot in the cards this deadline, especially if they if they do decide to tear it down. They could really bring in some some big assets for guys like Van Fleet or, or, or OG and Anobi. That's that's a really good pick. I was initially going to say John Collins just because he's been in trade talks forever. And it seems like some teams, Utah Jazz, uh, apparently are interested in acquiring him um, but I think that yeah, the Raptors guys would make would would make waves if Toronto was willing to just tear it down, build around Siakam and Scotty Barnes. That would be very interesting. Teams would give up a lot for OG Ananobi. Um in the same way that we say that Sadiq Bay is valuable as a wing, multiply that by like 80, and then you have OG Ananobi's value as a lockdown lanky defender who can, you know, contribute on offense. Okay, I thought that was just a nice little question at the end of the podcast. Uh, since trade talk is about to dominate my Twitter feed for the next like two months, um, may as well start to get it into the podcast as as well outside of the Pistons, who very well could just not trade anybody and have a super quiet deadline and everybody gets annoyed. Um, I think that is something that isn't talked about enough uh, as as a distinct possibility. They just don't do anything because they don't have to. Yeah, I there's this deadline could be super super quiet. This deadline could be super crazy if Toronto opens up the books, if John Collins gets moved, if Boyan Bogdanovich gets moved. Like it really just depends on where where teams decide they want to change, you know, go in terms of direction. And t- Toronto easily easily holds the cards uh, in that regard. Yep, they sure do. And we'll be keeping track of all of it. And we hope that you will be keeping up with us as we follow all of the trade deadline speculation uh, as things really start to heat up here in uh, the doldrums of January 
and February hitting into the all-star break before we even know it. Aaron, any last thoughts before we close this episode of the podcast? No, I mean, the Pistons aren't back in action until Monday. So they have a little bit of an extended rest period. Obviously got to travel back from France. It's going to take probably a day or two to readjust to obviously the time zone change and, and, and all of that stuff. So they, they are back in action Monday. I believe it's against Milwaukee. So certainly not an easy game to come back to the States for, um, but they got some time off in between them. So hopefully they can rest up. Jalen Duran is healthy. And you know, I know Killian Hayes took a, a fall at the end of the game. He was kind of laboring his shoulder. So hopefully he's good to go uh, as well. You definitely don't want injuries to these young guys that are really the only thing worth watching uh, with the Pistons right now is how these young guys continue to, to play, whether they're improving, uh, whether they're regressing, those types of things are, are what we're watching for at this point in the year when you're, when the team is 12 and 36. So that's really it. Yeah, you know, I'm going to count that as a positive watching the young guys, even, even if it's up against the Bucks, it'll still be still be entertaining. And uh, we are going to be tuning in and we hope that you'll be tuning in to us as well. We're going to continue covering the Pistons thick through the thick and thin, even if that is losses over in Europe, which thankfully they won't have to be subject to that anymore. So that's going to do it for this edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast, part of the Believe Network. For my co-host, Aaron Johnson, I am Mike Ingolano. Thank you so much for joining us once again on this week's episode, and we will see you all next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.